Today on Growing Through Grace. It isn't so easy to live the Christian life. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you should love your enemies and, and bless those that persecute you and so that you can be children of your Father in heaven. That's not an easy way to live. And yet that's the work of God's Spirit. You're listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jacob Elam of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. And we're in the middle of this mini-series taken from our studies in the book of Acts on Paul's meeting with the elders at Ephesus. Today, Pastor Jack will take us to Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 28, and continue the counsel and direction that Paul was giving to the leaders of this young church. The application illustrated in this passage will serve as a good barometer for the church today. So let's join our teacher for this lesson. Here's Pastor Jack. Let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 22. As Paul goes on, he says, And see, now I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. And I don't know the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations will await me, but none of these things move me, nor... Do I count myself, dear, my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news or the gospel of the grace of God? So Paul calls on them to remember his way of life with them for these three years and then says to them, you know where I'm heading. And every place I've passed through, and there's hundreds of miles here, every place that I've passed through on the way I've run into people warning me that I shouldn't go. The amazing question to me when I read this is, was this the Lord telling Paul not to go, or was it the Lord telling Paul to go? Everyone that he ran into, prophets alike, all said, bad idea. Friends in neighboring towns we will read of begged him to stay home, or begged him just to turn around. This is far enough. Did God want Paul to be in Jerusalem at this time, or was this simply the heart of Paul wanting to just go and help? Paul said he felt bound in the spirit to go. So what do you think? Paul's concern was more than a fearful uneasiness. You might get a fearful uneasiness if you're not a good flyer. You're pretty sure you'll land on the other side, but you don't like the experience. This wasn't like that at all. Paul got warnings from everyone. In fact, in, in, in chapter 21, we, when we get that far along, in Caesarea, which is just you know, a, a couple of hours outside of Jerusalem to, to walk, uh, there's a fellow named Agabus, a prophet. We've run into him a couple of times. He shows up at Philip's house while Paul is, is resting there, and he actually ties his own hands with Paul's belt and said, this is what they're going to do to the guy that, who owns this belt. And then everyone went, well, that's it. We can't go. Now we've got prophets being sent to you. And the people there pled with Paul not to go. Verse 8, and on the next day, we, uh, 
we who were Paul's companions departed and we came to Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. He stayed with him. Now there were, this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and says, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the elders, uh, of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and those with him from that place pleaded with him that he shouldn't go to Jerusalem. And Paul will say, well, why are you trying to break my heart? I, I'll get bound. I'll die. I, I'm going to go do what God wants me to do. So here's the conflict. Here, here's prophets and elders and lover, lovers of God all being led by, they, they say, by the Holy Spirit to say, don't go. And here's Paul feeling very much led by the Holy Spirit to go. So what do you do with that? And how do you come to this you know, uh, understanding, if you will? Paul, when he wrote here in verse 24, what we record of him saying, he said, I don't count my life dear to me or any of these warners, warnings. Look, I, at some point in, in these kind of conflicts, you just have to let, stand back and let the Lord speak to the individual, right? You can't take sides. I can't read this and say Paul was wrong or Paul was right. I mean, if you look ahead, it seems like God really wanted Paul there. It could be that the Lord wanted to just warn Paul that there was trouble ahead. These were not going to be easy waters. You know, when the Lord called Paul, he told him very clearly, right at the outset, the things he was going to have to suffer as a messenger of the gospel to the Gentiles. This was not going to be an easy road. And he signed on on that day. And to this day, up to this point, 15, 16 years later, he's still going strong. That, that hasn't been an issue. I, I don't know how to come down on the side of who's right here. I just know that the people who loved him said, that's a bad idea. And Paul, who loved the Lord, said, I think it's a good idea. And Paul went forward and he followed. I am sure that as you read the scriptures, that one of Paul's motivations was that he had left a lot of orphans and widows in Jerusalem over the years. I mean, he had caused havoc in the church. And I'm sure that he always wanted the desire to try to make some reparations and maybe relieve some of the pressure of the people that were suffering. He had brought all of this money and all of these Gentile uh, fellowships, you know, representatives, hundreds of miles to try to mend some fences. So I'm sure in Paul's heart, this was a, a gesture of, 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 of making things better, if you will. Paul had gone all of these years in ministry and he believed that this was God's will for his life. Everyone around him, prophets included, thought it was a bad idea. Everyone claims the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit says, I'm bound in the Spirit. Everybody's giving credit to God. So I think that over the years, I think I've learned, you know, when you hear both people saying, the Lord told me, well, no, the Lord told me. And people go, who do you think the Lord told? I don't know. I'm having a hard time hearing the Lord for me. That's all I need to know. But I, I admire when you are led by the Spirit and you just be faithful to the Lord. And, and, you know, there's no extenuating circumstances there. We can't, like, point to something that's sinful or wrong or obviously a belief that's held in, in error. So we just have to let people have their way. Then you go ahead. In fact, you, we'll read in, in, in a couple of, uh, in a couple of uh, weeks that when Paul said, look, I'm, I'm going to go and, and we're not going to stay and we just believe God's going to, you know, move, and I'm just going to go with him. It says, then we just start praying for him and left him alone. <laughs> I mean, at some point, even the church went, all right, if that's what you believe God wants you to do, then, then that's the way that you should go after it. And so whether it was the Holy Spirit or just Paul's own spirit stirring him, I can't tell you. The Bible would give the, the credibility and the 
responsibility to the Holy Spirit's work in both of their lives. And if that's the case, then I guess I have to leave it at that and not do much more with that. I do know that if I read ahead, and and it's always good to cheat, read ahead, (laughs) despite the cost that Paul was facing, that the Lord would use Paul and protect Paul and guide Paul and direct Paul, and that Paul was willing to pay the price. But that's only my opinion. I think he did the right thing, personally, um, because living a Christian life isn't easy, is it? I mean, you always, it's pretty easy to get advice. Just ask someone. Or get a Facebook account and put up your opinion. You'll find out what people think of you. You know, but, but it isn't so easy to live the Christian life. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you should love your enemies and, and bless those that persecute you and do good to those who despitefully use you and hate you and persecute you so that you can be children of your Father in heaven who makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. That's not an easy way to live. And yet that's the work of God's Spirit. So uh, though the trials are true and you read about them here, I think God has great purposes in them. And, and my personal opinion is, not that that should matter much to you, what I, I think. I, I think that the, that the Lord had a purpose for this and, and, and he was warning Paul to be ready what he was going to face and Paul was willing. He, he found a willing heart. You know, when, when Paul wrote to the Romans uh, about his ministry, he, he described it in chapter 8 of, of Romans by saying, for, for your sake we are being killed all of the day long. We are being led like sheep to the slaughter. And in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul really saw his ministry as being a sacrificial one. His life as belonging to someone else. And he didn't quit along the road, right? He, he, he was all in. And, and I think so should we be all in. He didn't interpret, Paul didn't interpret these, these warnings. You don't read anywhere in here where he says to his friends or writes to them later, oh man, I should have listened to the Lord. I wish old Agabus would have said it one more time, I wouldn't have went. It never occurred to Paul that this was a direction being given from the Lord. In fact, in the Romans letter in chapter 15 of Romans, Paul at the end of that chapter says to the Romans, hey, I'm I'm going up to Jerusalem and I'm bringing offerings from the Gentiles and, and I'm praying and would you pray with me that this offering that I'm bringing would be acceptable to the saints so that by the will of God when I'm done there I can be refreshed and come to see you. That was in his mind. He, he didn't think that that, that stop in Jerusalem would, would end his travels. He thought he, he was just hoping it would, would succeed so that he could move through and move on to Rome where he had not really been. So that, that's Paul's mindset. So the warnings did not move him. We, we read that here. None of these things move me. It didn't change his mind. It didn't change his purposes. It didn't change his intentions. And I, I think if you know the Lord is leading you somewhere... When, when Debbie and I came out this way and believed that the Lord wanted to start a church and, and that he'd have us to begin to, to look at how that could work, there was no one in our life, in our family, in our friendship circle, in our ministry friendships that thought it was a good idea. Nobody. They all went, it's a bad idea. Everyone. But we thought it was a really good idea. And so, you know, if you believe God has spoken to you, then you just move down that road. You don't, you don't turn away. You can't be turned, if you will. Paul's greatest concern, according to verse 24, was not to save his own neck, if that was the case. He just wanted to be sure he finished running his race with joy. He wanted to be sure that whatever God had for him, he was going to finish it with a smile on his face, doing what the Lord wanted him to do. And I love his description of his job. My job is to tell people about the good news of God's grace. That's really a positive outlook, isn't it? That's is what God calls me to do. I think, I think Paul had a very different view of, of dying than most of us. 
He believed, you know, dying to him was a win-win situation. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. That's what he said. Either way, I win. There's no heads you, you lose, tails, you know. He's just going to win. I'll win living, I'll win dying. Whatever the Lord wants, I'm, I'm excited for that. And Paul was just that. Um, you might remember in, in the book of Acts here when Paul was outside of Lystra that he was stoned by the people when uh, they, he didn't respond to their desire to worship them as gods. They left him outside Lystra for dead. Paul, when he wrote back to the Corinthians later, said it had been 14 years ago when he wrote the letter that that had happened. And he said, I don't know if I was in or out of my body, but I, I do know this. I was caught up into the third heaven and I saw things that it would be a sin for me to try to write out for you uh, what I saw. And so I was up in paradise and I heard unspeakable words which isn't lawful for me to utter. Paul got a view of heaven. God gave him a, a thorn in the flesh where he allowed him to have that from the enemy so that he wouldn't be exalted above his place because of what he saw. But I think that it changed Paul's view. <laughs> you can kill me, that's fine. You know, if I'm going to die doing the Lord's will, that's fine because I know where I'm headed. I've seen where it is. But Paul just figured in the meantime, I'm running a race and God has set a course for me to run. That's true of all of us, right? You're running a race. I can't run your race. You probably can't run mine. It, it, all the races are long. Some seem to be longer. If you run your race faithfully, you'll probably complain a lot about how come yours is really crooked and uphill all the time. And how come that guy just gets to roll downhill all the time? But God has a plan. And, and our, our goal in life is to finish the race, right? Paul, when he get, gets to the second uh, Timothy letter, was able to say to his young protege, I fought the good fight, fight and I finished the course and I've kept the faith. And now I'm going to get a reward. Paul wanted to finish well. Don't you want to finish well? I mean, just run across the line, not be dragged across by your friend. Oh, go on, brother. Okay. No, you want to be running, right? Paul, when he wrote to the uh, Hebrews in chapter 12, said, saying we're so, uh, so surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run, uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us, and, and let us look to Jesus, the author of the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such contradictions against him, lest you be weary and you faint in your mind. But Paul said, run the race, Right? There's a lot of people that have given their lives over the last 100 years, 400 years, 1,000 years, so that you and I can run the race. You know, this is our generation. We're responsible for this generation. We get to run the race now. And, and that, that race to Paul wasn't finished until said, the Lord said he was finished. Here's my question for you. If someone had to, if they ask you to rate you're running the race, how, how well are you doing running spiritually? You know, I know that most new believers, you go to a new believers class here, those guys are running. They got, they got markers and a Bible this big and, and they want to underline everything. And they want to say that again. Where's that verse? Oh, that's a good verse. Oh, no, no, no. They want to do everything. And then you find the five-year-old Christian who's no longer running. He's now, he's taking a bath now in the Gatorade deal, you know. He's not going anywhere. He used to run, but he don't run no more. He don't show up to pray no more. He doesn't show up to serve anymore. He barely shows up for church anymore. He was really excited. He had a Bible this big with a cover and a name. And he had bumper stickers and witness shirts. Yeah, those things have all worked out now. We've done everything we could. I didn't know it was going to be like a hundred-year deal. No, you got to run to win. This is, this is not a sprint. It's not a hundred-yard dash. You got to run the marathon. Paul said, I just want to finish. He's been at it a long time. This guy's been on the road for, for, for a decade and a half. 
And not just like staying in the nice hotels. He was getting beat up and chased down and accused and, and jailed and, and punished in, in this which inches of his life. And he goes, I just want to run. I'm thinking, this guy got beat up. So I can't imagine he could even run anymore. But so often we tend to start off pretty fast and yet we don't seem to run to win. And, and Paul makes that big point. You know, you run, but if you run in a race, you run to win. Who's going to run for like 10th place? You know, I, I did a, or tried to do half a marathon one time. You wouldn't believe it, but I did. Here was my mindset. I just want to finish. <laughs> I didn't. Because <laughs> that's not enough motivation. I just want to finish. Got me to in and out about four miles in. I went, yeah, that looks good. I'll just wait right here. Who cares? I wanted to get my run. I ran t-shirt before I took off because I knew I wasn't going to get it at the finish line. You got to run to win. Right? I, I told this story before, but we used to, we, we had, well, we still have lots of uh, sports teams here that play different sports and all. But we used to play a lot, and, and, and I, I hated losing, you know. And you hated going, we played softball, nine o'clock games in, in the winter, and you're just cold. And, but we hated to lose. But sometimes my wife, she'd go to every game except it was nine o'clock on a Monday and it was 50 degrees, and she wanted to stay home, you know. So I'd come home and she'd go, How was it? I'd go, eh, We lost. And then she'd say this, Well, did you at least have fun? And I said, I thought I told you we lost. There's no fun losing. How can you have fun? You lost. You stunk. It's like getting a, I don't know, a silver medal if you're in training all those years. That, that's, I don't want one of those. Either win or let me go home. Paul said, run to win. Run to win. You and I should be running to win. Paul saw Jerusalem, everyone saw it as his death knell. Paul thought, maybe that's the finish line, but I'm going to run to win. I'll be a smiling guy running for the finish line to get done. There's a glorious future that awaits you at the finish line. You're going to get there, and, and one day the Lord is going to meet you there at the gate, and, and you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've, you've been faithful over the few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the finish line you want to hit. You don't want to limp in or fall over the finish line or get dragged there or just stop it in and out somewhere along your spiritual way. Not good for you. Look, to the, to the Lord, Paul was a servant. To the people, Paul was a wonderful teacher and friend and example. But Paul to himself was a sacrifice. I, I'm a vessel that God can pour out. And, and I think, unfortunately, it is oftentimes, at least in our culture, the lack of a real sacrifice that defines Western Christianity. You know, you know the churches that do the best in America, Christian-wise, are ones that tell you you'll always be healthy, you'll always be wealthy, you can have what you want, you can fulfill your own purposes. You know, it's all about self and leisure time and vacation money and room additions and entertainment and, and selfish needs. Nobody's running to win. They just need God when they need a little blessing. Like a genie. God is their genie. Hey, bless me, man. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Paul just wanted to run to win. And Paul is running into the midst of a storm, right? Into a midst of the storm. Why did Paul do that? I think that if, if you read all that he wrote, he would tell you that the price that Jesus paid for him made him obligated to do just that, right? In other words, he was so indebted to the Lord that he wanted to, he wanted to count the cost, pick up the cross, and run. Right? Paul's all about being indebted with gratefulness and joy. Look, let's, let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes because that's a good way to learn the Bible. You could stop in Ephesus, build a house, and stay. Everyone loves you. 
It's hundreds of miles away from problems. You know, he, he, he's tr entrenched here. He, people will love him here. He could avoid the prison, the trial, the, the, the judgment, the ultimate beheading. He can miss all of that stuff. He can just stay in Ephesus. And he could have been secure, and he could have been safe. But that would mean living for himself and not for the Lord. And he was a bond slave. God saved me. I belong to him. I can't stay here. Don't go, Paul. We're going to miss you. Yeah, whatever it happens, I'm going. You might die. Okay. Wherever the finish line is. That, that's the kind of guy you can't stop, right? If the church is filled with men and women like this, it can't be stopped. Paul was called in the spirit to Jerusalem and that's where he was going to go. And I love to see guys in the Bible that are this kind of commitment. There are few, far too few of them. But Paul's primary interest, in fact, the interest in his life, is that he just wants to finish what God began. And that, that, that drove him. He, he says in verse 25, Indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore... I want to testify to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men and I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I haven't held back giving to you all of God's counsel. Now, from a biblical standpoint, it would be 10 more years before Paul would be killed by Nero. Much of that time was spent in prison. He did get out and was declared innocent on that first trial for maybe 18 months. We don't know where Paul went. There are some indications in secular history where he might have gone. I, I, there's no sense telling you that because I don't know if it's biblically correct. But he did get out for a while. And then he was re-picked up, and then he wasn't let go the second time. He was beheaded in prison there in Rome. So here's Paul's heart heading for Jerusalem. It seems to me I'm not going to make, make it out of here alive. I'm certainly never going to be able to come this far back here and spend time with you. And so... If that's the case, as Paul saw it and they saw it, he adds there in verse 25, because I'm not going to be able to come back and, and, and be in fellowship with you as I used to be preaching among you God's kingdom, uh, therefore I want you to, to know and remember from this day that I'm innocent of, of everyone's blood because I haven't failed or shunned, I haven't failed to declare to you all of God's counsel. Paul could go to the grave if necessary with a peaceful heart. And this reason was fairly simple. I have not hidden from you the very things that God wanted you to know. He had preached the kingdom of God amongst his friends and fellow laborers, but now he wants them to mark down that they remembered everything he said. And, and he uses these words, the full counsel of God. In other words, I taught you everything that you need to learn. Now, the New Testament wasn't printed for the most part. There were letters floating around. The Old Testament was available. Paul just gave it all to them. Right? We should know. People go, well, do we need the Old Testament anymore? Well, it's in here. I guess we need it. Well, it just seems it's old. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean it's not good. And it certainly helps us to understand the New Testament. God has given us his word. Well, that unfortunately is all that we have time for today, but we'll pick up the balance of Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 28, the next time we're together. This has been the first half of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jack Abelan. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3078. When you get a hold of us, be sure to mention the call letters of the radio station that you're listening to. The same challenges that seek to hinder the church today were common in the Corinthian church back in Paul's day. 
In his letters to the Corinthians, he addressed such issues as politics, immorality, lawsuits, marriage, worldliness, and spiritual gifts, just to name a few. In working through these timely books, Pastor Jack analyzes Paul's biblical answers to each of these problems in light of today's church. And we're offering Pastor Jack studies through both the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians from our Know the Book series on MP3. They're available in either CD or USB format. So if you'd like to order the 1st and 2nd Corinthians MP3 or to get today's study, simply dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all kinds of other things available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. Now here's Pastor Jack with a special announcement about a trip that he's leading coming up September 23rd through October the 3rd of 2024. Hi, this is Pastor Jack. I want to tell you about an exciting trip that we are planning here at the church for next year with some of our radio listeners as well. We're going to walk in the footsteps of Paul. We'll be going over to Greece to look at such places as Athens and Corinth, over to Turkey to see the ruins of Ephesus, to Patmos, where John wrote the book of Revelation, as well as taking a three-day Aegean cruise. So I hope you'll join us. We'll be ending our trip in Rome, looking at the Colosseum and the Forum, the Catacombs and the Mamertine Prison. It's going to be a great time of learning and getting to know each other. We hope you'll join us, and so we can get to know you as well. For more information, you can turn to inspiredtravel.com, and then look for the Morningstar Footsteps Tour, or you can call Inspired Travel at 714 area code 957 that will bring things to a close for us today. We do appreciate you tuning in. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. The Calvary Chapel Outreach.